Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This word in your ear is brought to you thanks to NordVPN. And VPN stands for what, Mark Gillen? I can tell you this with some authority, actually. It's Virtual Private Network. Say that again? Virtual Private Network. And that's a way to keep your data safe on the internet, whether you're logging on either at home or abroad. And you've just come back from abroad, haven't you? You've been I have. You've been, been in Paris for a few you're, days. You're watching the French telly. Uh, no, we didn't actually. All right, okay. We were mostly looking after a grandchild. Okay. And so we didn't. But you could have done. Anyway, VPN, VPN protects your identity and encrypts your data so that nobody can steal your identity. And at the same time, this is why I was asking you about overseas, it enables you to access the internet via servers in more than 50, count on 50 different countries. And that means you can often sidestep region restrictions and stream movies and TV programs from all around the world. We see so much overseas telly nowadays, don't we? Have you, talking to French TV, have you ever seen that really good French series, The Bureau? About the spy, the spy series, it's kind no. of the French Tinker Tailor Soldier's Spy. Oh no, no! It's very, very good indeed. Very good indeed. And uh, also a, a French village, which is a fantastic um, series about a French village during the occupation of the Second World War. Oh, fantastic! Um, the one and, we love was Call My Agent, which you saw too, which was well, absolutely. absolutely fantastic. Anybody who's not seen that, thoroughly recommended. Because we had no interest in seeing the English version of it at all, did we? Because we no, none. French has it been and gone? It probably has. Yeah, it has been and gone. Yeah. Anyway, you can take advantage of a deal where you can try NordVPN by going to nordvpn.com slash your ear or just use the code your ear to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free and a bonus gift. It's risk-free because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee and full details, as ever, are in the show notes and below. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. So it seems every week nowadays we mark the passing of, uh, of one iconic 
rock star. And I think you could certainly say that about David Crosby, couldn't you? God, you could. What a story. You, you could it's for amazing. a long time as well, you know. Incredible. How long has, has David Crosby been in your life, Mark Allen? Well, since the late 60s, wasn't it? I mean, I can remember. I remember, I remember hitchhiking as a teenager across Europe and meeting Americans who were playing Crosby songs like Wooden Ships and uh, on their guitars and thinking this is the most magical thing. Because part of the appeal of Crosby back then <clears throat> was, was the kind of lifestyle of Laurel Canyon and the West Coast, don't you think? Yeah, yeah definitely. That yeah. world that they created, you know, that you, you were so envious and having never been to America and knowing very little about America and the only America you saw was through music and, and, and films, desperately wanting to go there. But yeah, it's been a very, very long time. My God. I tell you, I'm just looking at it in front of me. I've got my copy of the first Crosby Sills Nash record, which is 90, was it 68 or 69? I can't remember. 69, I think. Mark. Yeah, 69, I think so. Um, and, and there they are. Uh, I don't know how long it is since you've looked at it. There they are sitting on a shabby old sofa that's out the front of a boarded up house. Uh, you know, and it's a, it's a real change from most album sleeves. Of course, the funny thing is, they'd all come down from their fabulous places in Laurel Canyon. Oh, yeah, to yeah. Go, to go and find a shabby house down in somewhere <laughs> downtown LA. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but, oh, that'll do. That looks poor enough. Place has been raised to the ground ever since. And the thing that was striking me, I don't know if you remember this, there seemed between the first Crosby Stills and Nash album, and the second one, Deja Vu, which I've also got here, they seemed an unconscionable delay between the two. It's the first time I remember people going on about, when's the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young album yeah, coming yeah. out? Because we read about it. Behold, we have read about it in IT or the enemy or whatever, that Neil Young has joined them and then made a record together. And so... Things were still on kind of 60s time in those days. So you expected, when something was, was rumoured, you expected it to, hear, to, to appear the following week. Whereas what we were doing here was moving to 70s time. And so if you'd asked me how long the delay between the first and, and second Crossing Tales and Nash record were, was, I would have said about three years. It's actually less than a year. I've just that's looked in at an it. eternity. It seems it? The time. absolutely oh God, yeah. I know. It's absolutely extraordinary. And of course, we've been familiar with David Crosby through through the birds. You know, first of all, when is that, 1965? It is, isn't it? And how strange he looked. Do you remember that? With his well, he, cape. Wore, he wore the cape. He wore the cape. He wore oh, no. and he had this. Uh, he had he had a haircut that made him look like a, a minor player in Richard Green's The Adventures of Robin Hood. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can imagine him being. You can imagine him being Will Scarlet or yeah, one of, yeah, yeah. of Friar Tuck's mates yeah. or whatever. You know, and um, he proved once and for all that you can't look sexy in a cape. It can't be done. Can't be know? done. It's not possible. <laughs> You know, he's interesting because he's quite from, from quite a posh background, wasn't he? Oh yeah, quite privileged. Yeah. You, you've, it's very easy in, in 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 Britain to be able to kind of work out class systems within groups. You know, that's a slightly posh group, and that, not in America. That isn't, but in America, you can't figure that out at all. Actually, well, we can't. We, we are can't. We're, we're tin-eared when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, we it, can't. It, but he was doing a very posh background. His dad was both, a, both sides of the family. 
Both sides yeah. of the family. I think one side of the family were re- were part of. I think all the four hundred or whatever. There is some. There is some organization of the first families that landed in the United States, or the first first wealthy families that landed in the United States. That's right. And they were one of those, you know, sort of pilgrim, you know, descendants and so forth. Yeah, and his father was a cinematographer, so he kind of... Yeah, often mentioned in uh, New York Society pages, wasn't he? And he went to, obviously went to a very posh school. He was one of those kids who was in HMS Pinafore when he was young. Now, you can't remember any members of the Faces. Can't imagine them being in HMS Pinafore. No, maybe not. <laughs> and, uh, but, do it. Didn't do it at Bash Street very often. They didn't do it at Bash Street, but he got the impression that he he, he kind of there was something possibly slightly spoiled about his upbringing, and that he always thought he was going to get the, the get his way, and was very difficult, wasn't he, about uh, being told he couldn't do things. A well, he was way. he was not a, he was not a, that's the odd thing. He's clearly not a group person, although he wanted to be in groups. Yeah, you know, yeah. being in a group relies on you being able to kind of you know, push back your personal desires yes. a bit in the, in the, you know, in favour of the group. He couldn't do it, could he? He couldn't do it in the birds. Um, and, and it kind of went on throughout his life. No, and he actually didn't even sing. I don't think he sang any lead vocals on the first or second albums. It was all the backing vocals, which were absolutely sublime. But that would have caused some kind of friction too, his desperate yeah. need to be in the front line. Well, they'd all been, I mean, the thing about the birds is they're all, I mean, most of them, they, you know, McGuinn had been a solo performer. Gene Clark had been a solo performer. Crosby had been a solo performer. Chris Hillman had been in a band. Michael Clark was just a kind of beach bum that they hired because he looked because he looked so good. I mean, I think didn't somebody kind of look at that group and think they need the, 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 the looks need upping a bit? And they're absolutely know? right. And they were kind of right, you know, they're completely so, right. He wasn't a terribly so, good drummer, but he's brought uh, him to look fabulous. Yeah, yeah, and so. You know, that slowly, one by one, they left, didn't they? Gene Clark left first, you know, fear of flying and breakdown and so forth. Crosby left because of the classic personal and artistic differences. And, uh, you know, they, they slowly shed, shed them one by one, didn't they? But yeah, then he... Uh, uh, do you remember that story about him in uh, Abbey Road, which I'd completely forgotten, that, that, that he, the Beatles and, and, and the birds got on famously and, yeah. uh, you know, they'd invited him over when he was in London. And, and it may have been, it may have been deliberately to tell him destabilise him, I think, in that they brought him in, put him in, in Studio 2 in Abbey Road and played him A Day in the Life, which they'd just finished. It was just about to be released, wasn't it? And he sat there with his two speakers either side of him. I was apparently completely overcome, completely kind of, a, you know, a, a, a really rather shattered by the experience of what and they then achieved. Went, then went and told everybody in, in Laurel Canyon that he'd heard it, you know. And, That's uh, right. There was the kind of John the Baptist figure with Sergeant Pepper. But he, he spent a lot of time going back and forth across the Atlantic, yeah. and then, which is, you know, and he, he, he kind of palled up with Graham Nash, and uh, I was, I wrote about this in, in one of my books that um, <laughs> Graham Nash left the Hollies because he desperately wanted to be in a hip group, you know, and then Crosby, Stills and Nash had a chance of being a hip group and they were Laurel Canyon rather than Salford, you know. They yeah. were kind of, they were kind of buckskin jackets rather than dinner jackets and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the last gig Graham Nash played with the Hollies because he didn't leave straight away, was a benefit 
which they had hoped was going to feature the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and was going to be very star-studded. It wasn't at all, you know. It was <laughs> it was called the Save Rave, <laughs> and it took place at London Palladium in the presence of not the Queen but Princess Margaret, and and there were the Hollies kind of uh, you know poured into their into their white dinner jackets with their fluffy bow ties, yes, and their yes, frilly yes. shirts, and who's in the who's in the dressing room taking that piss out of them? David Crosby. And you can't imagine, he wouldn't have been a person who'd risen above that kind of thing no, at all. No, not remotely. He was a, I was reminded of reading about him. You know the wonderful bit in um, in Hard Day's Night where Paul McCartney says to Wilfred Bramble, you're a right mixer. <laughs> and that's a, an expression that's kind of fallen into his shoes. It has. But it's so descriptive. Meaning a kind of wind-up artist. A person who just can't stop picking. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he had this throughout his life, despite his, you know, his tragedies and his substance issues and jail well, time. Well, by the that. end, with Crosby, Stills, and all those reunions right up recently, did that terrible thing that he said about... Uh, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. You know the new uh, the, the new Mrs. Neil Young. He described her as a poisonous predator. I mean, can you imagine doing that publicly and then thinking that somehow you were still going to have a reunion? He then went on this pathetically kind of humiliating series of chat shows where of appearances where he was desperately publicly apologising, but of course it made no difference. And fell out really badly with Graham Nash. For some we reason, took... I met Graham Nash once and I thought, be a hard guy to fall out with Graham I Nash. I would have thought he really such a are, sweet nature. Really lovely. Yeah, people. definitely. Definitely. I thought if you can fall out with Graham Nash, you can fall out with yourself in an empty room, can't you? You really it? could. Um, I mean, and he would do things like pull out just before they were going on tour or just not turn up for the recording sessions and generally wreck things. And, you know, he must have been absolutely impossible, I think. But then he obviously had a bit of a, a late, late in life cleanse your heart, didn't he? Because he, he suddenly started making records, didn't he? He made like yeah. five albums in the yeah. last few years, uh, which, you know... People who are fans say are really good. I mean, I've listened to some of them at this hand, you know. Yeah. They're perfectly respectable. I wouldn't say I know enough about them to to, to say that I particularly like them and so forth. But he, he clearly thought, I don't have that much time left. I'm going to get on with it and do some proper work. And he clearly did, you know. But I'll tell you what is the most amazing thing to me. You know, I've been aware of of David Crosby since I was probably... 14 years old, okay? He's He's been there somewhere in the yeah. background. Just about, to, just about to crash his car into the back of the scene, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever, just appear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, he dies at the age of, what, 81 or 82? I can't remember. Silly in his 80s. More famous now yeah. than ever before. That's the amazing thing to me. You, you, none of these guys die unknown any longer, do they? No, they because don't. There's just, there's just a kind of, there's an interest, isn't there? There's a following. And that following just grows over the years, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, it, it's just absolutely extraordinary to see, for me, to see the coverage of, of David Crosby's death in the papers and on the radio and the TV and so forth and thinking... If he died just after Woodstock, at the height of Crosby, Tills, Nash and Young, there would not have been this at all. You know what I mean? And, and 
Commercially speaking, he probably hadn't bothered a chart since 1972. No, but he kept in the news, didn't he? I mean, all the kind of prison sentences, you know, really? all the controversies, you know. And you just you, and that level of chaos. And I think people expected he might peg out at any time, you know. You yeah, wonder man. how much money he made. He must have made fortunes and lost fortunes. Oh, he yeah, spent. Because I remember the boat, the famous sailing ship that he bought, you know, uh, the yacht, um, it was paid for, I think, with money borrowed from Peter Talk. And then he had the liver transplant paid for by Phil Collins. I mean, uh, I, I, think his, I think his fortunes were, were fluctuated pretty radically, didn't they? How do you end up with your liver transplant and paid for by Phil Collins? Do you just do you just ring him and kind of drop it into the Phil, conversation? Phil, I don't feel too fabulous. <laughs> You've got a couple of quick... Phil Collins obviously very fond of him, wasn't he? Sure. Actually, I know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Bizarre. Extraordinary. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. We're joined now by Alex Gold. Hello, Alex. Hello. Hello, Magic. Hi, hi, hi. How are you both? Uh, we're fine. Good shape. I just wanted to have everybody in on this because it's the game the whole family can play. And uh, this started with a tweet I posted the other day because it was some anniversary of the release of Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. And I just couldn't resist <laughs> saying it's you know, very high in my list of classic albums, or I can't remember what, what adjective I used, might not have been classic, classic albums that I just don't warm to. And I think it's fair to say I got quite a bit of blowback. I saw that. Yeah, there was quite a bit of support for that. I mean, partly it's a, it is a, it's a divorce album, isn't it? Well, okay. Was it but, around the time he was separating but, with Sarah? But first of all, let me just, let me just, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the blowback I got was from people saying, you can't say that. It's a classic. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, I think it's important to establish the fact that there is a difference between something that is classic or estimable or admirable or whatever and something you like. They're not necessarily the same thing. It doesn't necessarily they? mean your favourite, does remotely. it? Well, yeah, not even your favourite, but you know, just the idea that you you, you don't the certain records you don't warm to. And I don't warm to Blood on the Tracks. I don't listen to it and think, mm, great, this is what I like about Bob Dylan. This is kind of I like, I like slightly more shambolic Bob Dylan. Actually, if I if I'm honest, I find myself liking the oddest things of Bob Dylan. So, you know, I love the the idea that Bob Dylan goes in the studio very often with no idea what he's going to do at all, and, and the band don't know either. And the very often really good things come out of, the, of that, that, those two forces, you know, whereas Blood and the Track just sounds too pat to me, sounds too rehearsed but, to I me. mean, again, it's completely, you can't win these arguments. It's entirely personal, isn't it? You of know, course it is. We're in Tangled Up in Blue, Jack of Hearts, Simple Twisted Face, Fade, Shelter from the Storm. I mean, they're all, they're all really great songs. I mean, I happen to really like them, and you don't, and that's fine. It's- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I, mean, I, I, don't, dislike, I don't dislike the songs or anything like that. It's just, just I, don't, by I don't get the feeling off the record at yeah. all. And, and to be honest, you know, People say you can't say this is classic. It's on it's on Mojo's list of thousand things you have to do before you die. How dare you? I feel like I feel like getting getting out of my pram and saying, "Look, mate, I thought this in 1975." You know what I mean? I remember <laughs> yeah, exactly. before any of these. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I thought this. Yeah. I remember thinking at the time, "Oh, this is the record that the CBS marketing department would really like him to make." You know what I mean? It's personal story. It's very complicated. Yeah. They, they love all that, you know. I didn't like that. Anyway, I just thought, okay, shall I give you my five? Go on, let's have your five. Yes, please do. These are my five admirable albums, classics, I know, all that, that I don't personally warm to, okay? So number one, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. And number two, Love's Forever Changes. I wish you were right. You told me that before. I don't like the sound of it. I have to say that I read so much hype about that. A lot of it in Q, actually, and I was led to. I was led to believe that it was one of the greatest records of all time, and I got it, and I finished it, and I thought to myself, "Is that that it?" Is I found it twin. Well, it's I don't know. I don't know about twin. I love it actually, but the thing is, you feel no identity with the group. It's one of those groups you have no idea who they are. Yeah, and you yeah. can't connect with them. They've got no kind of personality at all. They don't exist as a kind of unit either. So it's hard to tell. So number three, Prince, Purple Rain. Oh, Prince, okay. that's good. I yeah. find I find underneath everything with Prince, and I, I there's certain Prince tracks I love. Yeah, a lot of Prince I find him quite cold underneath it all. Actually, yeah, I find it a bit. I played all this myself. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a bit like that, you know. Um, and uh, but but two more, okay. Yeah. Okay, again, really controversial territory here. I'm my least favorite Steely Dan album is Asia. Wow. wow. Okay. That's a, I just that, that took a turn, Dave. Uh, wow. I, it's, I, I can I can admire it and all those things. I don't warm to it. It's a bit too much like, listen to how jazzy we are. You know, it's it's kind of, it's too few tracks. It's only got about seven tracks on there, (laughs) something like that. And whereas I I prefer the records that have got loads of tracks on them and a kind of all perfect miniature. That's the steely that I like. And finally, number five, I'm going to watch Alex teeter over and disappear from view when I say this. Okay. Never mind by Nirvana. Oh, oh my lord, that's interesting. I, I, I don't. It's the. I just don't like it. It's cold again. I hate that guitar sound. It, right. I find it really predictable. I don't think the riffs are any good, um, and I don't terribly dislike Nirvana actually because the Nirvana record I really like is Unplugged. 
Yeah. yeah that's, that's a lovely record. Yeah, I that's like, warm. That's, that's warm. Don't think they're beautiful tunes on Nevermind. Just lovely little melodies. Those funky, those funky bass lines. I think that's what really elevates it. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Well, those are my five. Blood on the Trans, Forever Changes, Asia, Purple Rain, and Nevermind. Who's going to go next? Go for it, Mark. Alex, go next. Go on. Shall I go? Well, I can. Yeah. Well, look, one I, I never got on with, and it's partly because I think she, the artist herself leaves me cold. Oh, well. Is Patti Smith. Patti oh, yes. Smith's Horses. Now, everybody loved Horses when it came out. It was the right. hip record. Not you. No, oh, me. <laughs> And I thought it was just dry and overwrought and challenging and difficult. And, you know, it just, it was just something rather bloodless about it. So you remember, I couldn't get on with it. Do you remember what Nick Kemp said about her uh, at the time back in the enemy? He said this while reviewing a Joni Mitchell album. He, he, he talked about Patti Smith, that bawling <laughs> Harridan, Patti Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her yeah. jive muse. I've never forgotten that. You know, yes. 50 years ago since he wrote that, that bawling Harridan. It was a jive muse. That's good. <laughs> well, I'm with him on that, you know. Okay, so Patti Smith. And another one, again, this is probably just a personal, it's a classic album and all that, but I've never been able to develop uh, 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 extract any any warmth or, or pleasure actually from from listening to it, which is unknown pleasures by joy division i know but it's just oh, I, okay. I find them i find them really hard to get on with and it's it's, it's it doesn't give me any any joy at all yeah. um i don't know i i I, the, I love the really early clash the first uh, three clash albums i thought were fantastic sandinista i'm sorry dave leaves me absolutely sorry, sorry just hold on a cotton picking minute you're telling me that the second Clash album, given enough rope, which it, you, you're telling me that's acceptable. I thought it was good at the time. No, I, I must be. I haven't rushed back and listened to it. Is it terrible? I think so. No. I always thought it was terrible. I never thought the first one was terribly good. I thought London Calling was really good. Yeah. London Calling is a great record. Yeah, because it's a, they suddenly rock. God knows yeah, how yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah, How did that happen? The problem with Sandinista is it's a bit long, isn't it? They, it it's been a dull album. and it's overworked and it's dodgy and it's got no kind of focus and the whole experience leaves you leaves you a bit cold, I think. There are some that I wouldn't call them classic albums. There were some that I, I loved when I was a teenager because I thought that Roy Harper, their uh, their author, was was a, was a kind of a prophet, sage, and seer. And then I kind of woke up one morning and decided that he's actually a kind of self interested hectoring bore. And so I that kind of be, went off. I know when you find any warmth, yeah, from Stormclock or Flat Flatborough Composer, and the early Ro- Roxy music records, I couldn't get either. But it took me a while to get those. Now the one I always found really, really cold were, were, were the were the albums by Cat Stevens. Oh, I don't know about you. Yeah, I just, I mean, I love the Cat Stevens when the, the, the singles maker. Matthew and Son and I'm going to get me a gun and all that kind of stuff. He seemed funny and characterful and slightly flip and amusing. And those records were very, very earnest, I thought. Very earnest and dour and absolutely and utterly without humour. I can't really deal with anybody who doesn't appear to have any sense of humour at all. That's a very, so. it's a very good point, generally speaking, about any form of kind of artistic expression. Yeah. Paddy Smith, going back to Paddy Smith. Paddy Smith, have you read Paddy Smith's autobiography? I have. Just kids. Now, it's very good, actually. It's very good. Yeah, it's really good. Except that you read the whole thing, and she's a really good writer. Yeah. Um, And really good kind of memoirist. But then you think to yourself, did you never at any stage, Patty, find anything funny? 
No, nothing. nothing Anything that ever happened to you in your life yeah. was nothing ever amusing. It's either grim or that serious. That rather suggests one thing, you're not very amusing. No. Because if you haven't noticed the humour around you, you, you're, you're not a very humorous person yourself, you know. She's one uh, of those people you cannot imagine how little you'd, you'd like to go out and have a drink with her. You know, <laughs> what would you talk about? You know, uh, probably talk about Patty Smith the entire time. Yeah, I'm sure you would. So is that, yeah, that your five? That's pretty much mine. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Alex, over to you. All right. Five so you- this section is called It's Not You, It's Me. Okay. That's it's good. Basically, That's good. It, yeah. it's, um, you know, it's records that we recognize the qualities of, but we don't warm to. Over to you, Alex. Yeah. I'm going to go straight in with Sergeant Pepper. Oh, okay. oh my God, that really yeah. is extreme. All right, okay. okay. I'm sorry, yeah. but it just sounds to me like a great idea in principle that wasn't quite pulled off. <laughs> well, could see me could do better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'd say B minus. And also with a huge shadow cast over Revolver, which as we all know, it's the greatest album of all time. It just, it, it just Ooh. doesn't, it does not compete, I'm afraid. Um, Sergeant Pepper. I what are the offenders? Is that lovely Rita? Uh, within, without you, for sure. Uh, lovely Rita, yeah. Uh, fixing a hole. I don't, I don't know. I mean, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Oh, work of absolutely unparalleled genius. I don't know. <laughs> it's incredible. I think if, if those songs had been written by anybody else, they wouldn't have been held in the esteem they no, are. But the, point, think, the point is... Maybe that's just it's my like, own beetle fatigue. Absolutely, that is the point. It's a personal response. And look, you know, I've never gotten over hearing Sergeant Pepper for the first time at the age of sixteen and thinking, "My God, this is." You see that? Maybe true. that's a problem because and I it first is. heard and it, and that's inside me. Yeah, that's inside me forever. Me too. You know, it reactivates the teenage me totally. It, it does. Hearing it the first time, and and then you know, it's the way one follows another. You know, yeah. that's the thing that's impressed me about Sergeant Pepper latterly is, is the, it's the idea of the sequencing is what makes it work. It's the idea of, you heard that? Now hear this. Yeah. <laughs> and everything tumbles on top of the one before, you know what I mean? It was, it was very much put together as a, like, a, like a 45 almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't a long LP. But I can... You and you're probably you're thinking perfectly, you're perfectly permitted to have that point of view, Alex. I no, know. but I, I, I perfectly understand your point of view as well. And perhaps I just need to change my perspective of it to, to really, really be able to. You that you now know that Penny, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields were meant to be on it and weren't. Does that does that Partly, damage? Yeah, you? yeah. yeah. It's, that it's, would have been too much. That would have been too much. Too much. It. That, that, that uh, would. Uh, have. Too I think if, if I'd have got to hear it as as events were unfolding, I'd have a completely different view. But yeah, of course, yeah. my my entire perspective of the Beatles' oeuvre is retrospective, and it's just all, you know, as Dave said before, it's just all there. You yeah. know, there's there's no sense of uh, of the dynamic of, of the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, what, what else? What, have you what's got? next? What's next? I'm going to go for who's next. Oh, oh, oh sorry, old my coat. Yeah, Good grief. Some fantastic moments on there. Barbara O'Reilly behind blue eyes, bargain, all that kind of stuff. But to me, the Who's output started to decline as soon as John Entwistle started to grow facial hair. <laughs> okay. The, oh, well, okay. The early scratchy Who are the Who. Yeah. When they were young, they were lean, they were they were dynamic. Um, to to me, it just sounds like a band getting a bit fat. Okay. <laughs> and I think there, there were wonderful a, moments there on there. They were still quite thin at that time, I think. Uh, well, apart from Keith, maybe, but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, it's 
Behind Blue Eyes, I think, is probably one of my top three Who songs. But I feel like a lot of it is fat. The songs aren't lean like they used to be. Like the Who, to me, they were all about this sense of urgency, this really kind of um, desperate attempt to 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 claw the way out of wherever they were and they didn't quite like at the time, you know. And I think Who's Next sounds to me like there were two mired in trivialities, you know, they'd made, they'd made some money. They had in theory, comfortable lives and they were still whinging. And I, that doesn't really, I don't know. Oh, well, oh, it's my favorite Who album. Well, there we are. Okay. We, next, we can... next, next up is, um, Arctic monkeys, whatever. Oh, say I am. Oh, oh, oh my God. Yes. Actually, that's a good point. They are quite cold. The Arctic monkeys. Again, they're very, they're, I, no great warmth coming off them. That's true. It seems very cynical. A lot of that stuff. It does. That's very it's, true. Actually. I can't get, I just can't connect with them. They're uh, really good records. Though. I mean, I love their records, but I've just got no feeling of warmth. So that's a really good, that's a good one. Yeah. I think they're, they're incredibly yeah. competent. And Alex Turner is obviously, you know, a, a master wordsmith, but I just don't get any warmth from it at all. Yeah. I think the records that really, you know, that really connect with you in your life, um, they feel like old friends somehow. Yeah. Arctic and the Monkeys have never felt like friends to me. They've always felt like, you know, cooler than now people yes. you see about town yeah, on occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. The yeah. gang you can never join. Yeah. I never I particularly wanted it. to join. Um, okay. okay, what else you got? Uh, I'm going to go for definitely maybe. Oh, from, coming from you, that's astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the reason is my into Oasis and Oasis were, were my Beatles in the sense that they were the band that really, they were my way in to the yeah. world of pop music, really. Um, it was What's the Story of Morning Glory? And that was the album that was really, that really turned everything upside down. And going back to listen to Definitely Maybe felt like too much of a regression. And obviously the, the drummer was different, which makes a whole load of difference. It felt like a different band. To me, it didn't feel like Oasis because that wasn't my entry point. Um, and uh, the songs weren't as nuanced uh, there wasn't as much variety as there is on What's the Story. There wasn't as yeah. much sensitivity. There was, they had Slide Away, which is probably my favourite Oasis song, and that's of course the penultimate track on the album, and that hits you like a ton of bricks because it's nothing like anything else on there, and you don't see it coming at all. It's a complete sucker punch. Um, but other than that, and perhaps Live Forever, um, it just sounds to me like a bit of a noise. Okay. And uh, yeah, once again, I can. Well, get... you know my views, um, so I won't bore you with those. Uh, so finally, finally, what have you got? Uh, okay, finally, I'm going to go for Harvest by Neil Young. Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah. Well, I, again, I, I don't dislike any of these albums. I know I've slagged a few of them off, but you know, I don't. I can listen to them and be yeah. quite content listening to them once, and that'll be that'll be me. Going. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know? Um, what, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on Harvest because uh, I've got a very specific reason for liking Harvest. I only realised this recently when I was okay. playing, playing the record, which it has my favourite drum sound on any record ever. Oh, go on, where's that? So Which dry, is, isn't it? it? It's so dry. It's there, it's that. <laughs> no hi-hat at all. There's Absolutely very extraordinary, yeah. you know. Um, it's, uh, what's the opening track? Uh, out, out on the weekend. Yeah. Just go and listen to Out on the Weekend. It, it, it's absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. Oh, I could listen to that 
for the rest of my life, that drum sound on that record. You see, I, I, I love Heart of Gold and I love Needle and Damage Done. Um, but on the whole, if I listen to it as a complete piece, it, it, it feels to me like being stranded in the field somewhere. And that makes me feel slightly uncomfortable. I can't get close. Again, I can't get close to it, perhaps because my reference points are not Neil Young. So did you feel there's warmth coming off any of his other albums or just that one particularly? Uh, I don't think there's, a, I don't get an awful lot of warmth from Neil Young full stop, to be honest with you. Um, but Harvest was the one I was told to go and dive into. Uh, so I did. And, um, I, I'm, I'm glad I've, I've got the chance to listen to it, but well, I won't be in a hurry to go back and listen to it again. This just points out the uh, the kind of the pointlessness of saying to people, you must go and listen to something. Yeah, absolutely. Because they go off with the wrong attitude. Yeah, the does. moment you tell someone they're going to like something, they make a really, really strenuous effort to, and, to disappoint you. And, and they used to, it used to be a valid thing to say to people in the days when you had to go and find a record and buy it or borrow it or whatever to hear it. Nowadays, you don't. And, yeah. so, and so any record, it will find its way to you at yeah, some music, point. Music it? finds you. That, it that's does. It, yeah. Now more than ever. Because you know, that's what the internet does, isn't it? You know. Um, it, it brings to you things that are like things you like already. Yeah. Um, well, that's been interesting, and uh, I'm sure if the um, I'm sure if the massive have got uh, got any points they'd like to make pursuant to that, we'd be delighted to hear them. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Hey.